Welcome to a special edition of Two Songs, One Couple, where we are going to dive into some sadness. <laughs> oh, sad day. Yeah, 2020, man. It just keeps kicking our butts left and right. And it's continuing to do that. It's like almost the end of the year, and yet we're still getting surprised by craziness and sadness left and right. So because we're doing this podcast, we wanted to jump on here and de-stress and kind of express some grief regarding recent news that we got. We lost Sean Malone, probably most famous for playing in uh, Cynic. I just want to talk about, just give a little bit of background of who he is and what he is, what he means to me, what he means to us as well. Yeah, you're involved too, (laughs) whether you like it or not. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) On December 9th, I think it was uh, in the evening, I was just scrolling through Facebook and I saw Paul Masvidal post a tribute to his friend Sean Malone, who passed away. If you don't know who either of those names are, Paul Masvidal and Sean Malone are part of a band called Cynic. Sean Malone was the bass player, and Paul Masvidal is the vocalist and guitar player. In this same year, we also lost Sean Reinert, also of Cynic. So they had two Seans, and they were both the rhythm section. So Sean Malone on bass, Sean Reinert on drums. Let's start with uh, the 1993 album, Focus. is a progressive metal masterpiece, I would say. So hold up. Cynic is, in general, a progressive metal band? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Cynic is a progressive metal band, yes. And they're a three-member band? They usually have a fourth, like a second guitarist and or a second vocalist. The core is Paul Masvidal and Sean Reinert. Okay. And also Sean Malone, but he is more in the capacity of a studio guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't tour with them that often. Okay, so Cynic lost, like half of their entire band yeah yeah that sucks yeah granted sean reinert was no longer a part of the band when he passed yeah um sean malone paul masvidal sean reinert all part of a band named cynic in 1993 they recorded and released an album called focus and it was way ahead of its time and clearly misunderstood by the metal community and the prog community so their sound is a mix of death metal jazz and progressive metal and the vocalist um, uses like a vocoder effect so he sounds like a robot or kind of like (laughs) i don't know how like kind of like how daft punk uses it sort of so it was a strange mix of like electronic yeah because of the vocal effects electronic death metal progressive metal jazz and Uh, so that can lead to a lot of confusion and um back then they, they didn't fit anywhere so let's say they you know they went to tour they tour with like Cannibal Corpse, which is a straight up death metal band. The audience is going to be like, what the fuck is this uh, robotic singing thing? What is this jazz stuff? They're probably not going to fit in. The flip side, you throw them into, let's say they open for someone like Dream Theater. Oh. And then the prog heads are going to be like, what is this growling shit? 
fucking band's bullshit. So they didn't fit in at all. So were you into the 1993 album? Or were you also one of the ones that were like, what is this? I didn't listen to them back then. I didn't know who they were at all. I didn't come around to them until early 2000s, let's say. Yeah, you were knee deep into Prague. And yeah, like, I yeah. love Dream Theater so much. <laughs> I was very much into Dream Theater. And I stumbled upon this and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> That's vocoder vocal? What the hell? <laughs> Okay, there's these death metal vocals too, which I'm not used to. On a dime, it turns into this jazzy breakdown. I'm like, whoa, what is that? I was interested since then. I didn't understand it. I listened to the whole thing. It didn't make sense. But all I knew is this is weird. This is new. And I kind of want to try again. And subsequent listens, it made a lot more sense. Nice. Um, you love that shit too. Yeah, exactly. You love exactly. the ones that are like, this is so weird. I want more. Yeah, exactly. But they weren't an active band at that point. Like shortly after the 1993 album Focus, they broke up. For whatever reason, if they couldn't gather an audience, if it was personal reasons, which it could be too, because mm-hmm. I know there was some infighting in the band. They didn't release another album for 15 years. So for your musical experience with Cynic, did you come across them in order of their albums or did you hear a different album first and then you went back into their discography or? They only had one album at that time. Oh, okay. So it was their first one that was first like and last. blew your mind and you were like in love after that. Yeah. I didn't know they would ever reunite. The ship seemed to have sailed. Eventually the prog metal scene caught up. There are a lot of bands that sound like them now. and Copycats. Uh, <laughs> exactly. For whatever reason, it took 15 years to reunite and release another album. And that album is 2008's Traced in Air. And the difference between the two albums, you can clearly hear the difference. The members are older. They're 15 years older. Yeah. They've gone through a journey between the two albums. And the album was very well received. And they decided to tour. And so when they first announced that they were touring, they were opening for Mashuga. Yes. <laughs> to be honest, the show wasn't very good when Cynic played. The sound was pretty terrible, from what I remember. Where was it at? It was at Slim's. Oh. You were there. Oh. <laughs> I have a very good memory, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know, for whatever reason, the mix was really bad. So I thought, wow, that's disappointing. Yeah. Fast forward a few years later. So you kept your eye out on them and kept looking for opportunities to see them live again or just mainly focused on new albums that they would put out? The former where I looked for another opportunity to see them live. The next time I saw them live or we saw them live rather was in 2014. I totally remember that, by the way. Um, the difference here is they were headlining and number two, Sean Malone was actually touring with them which is a rarity. He doesn't tour. He's just a studio guy. And so, yeah, I immediately jumped on it. And um, not too long after I bought my tickets, I got a notification saying, hey, your show is canceled. I was like, fuck. It's supposed to be at the Fillmore. But I got a follow-up. Actually, you know, we're moving this show to the Oakland Metro Opera House in <laughs> Oakland, California, if that is not obvious. Um, it's in... It's right outside of Jack London Square. It's like a few blocks away from Yoshi's. An awesome jazz club, by the way. Shout yeah. out to Yoshi's. Yeah, that we frequent or frequented oh, often. Yeah. Rest, how about rest in peace, Yoshi's? It's still there. No, I thought both closed. San Francisco did. Oakland did Oakland's, Oakland's still there, as far as I know. Okay, I take it back. Shout out to Welcome Yoshi's. back, Yoshi's. You've been brought back to life. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> Unbreakable. <laughs> And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I've been to the Oakland Metro Opera House before, and it's a fairly big space, just like this big-ass warehouse feels like, like a hangar. Not quite that big, but it has that feeling. It's not as fancy as the name would make you think. Don't quote me on this, but historically, they have been an opera house, which is why they kept that name to keep the legacy. Not at that building. They've moved several times. Oh, okay. So whatever the original location is, that's why they named it that way. But you, yeah, you walk in there, it's just like a fucking warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's an opera cold, house at all. It's dank. There's like really no no stage even, at least not in the part we were in. I've been in the main room. There's no seats, a big open area, the stage, and it just felt like I was in a garage. Yeah. However, we weren't in the main room. No. <laughs> there was a rave happening in the main room. They... Which was awesome, by the way. Like having the juxtaposition of like metal heads at a metal show with rave kids was yeah. hilarious. It was weird. Like, okay, so the, there's a tiny room next door. That's the room we were in. It's like a tiny ass basement, a skinny, tiny basement. Yep. It didn't even have a proper bathroom in it. Like, nope. I used the bathroom first, I think. And they're like, okay, just go back there. And it's like right behind the stage. It's like, what the hell? Isn't this backstage? There's <laughs> a curtain. I opened the curtain and it looks like I'm really in a basement where there's like a sink that um, that sink that you have in basements. <laughs> yeah. And one urinal looking like thing. I wasn't sure. Is this a urinal? Should I pee in this? I'm peeing in this. <laughs> and I pee in whatever I thought was a urinal. And then I like ran the fuck out. Oh, I washed my hands, of course. <laughs> And then ran the fuck out of there. I was like, that was weird. How the fuck is my wife going to pee? And she asked, where is the bathroom? Can you help me? Like, is that your impersonation of me? Yeah, that sounds just like you, right? Tick. So Sam asked where the bathroom, where the women's bathroom is. And they're like, get out of here and go to the main building. Walk outside, turn on the left, and then walk through the rave kids. <laughs> yeah. What was your experience? Like, what was it that was, like? It was awesome. Well, it was like my first rave ever. I've never been to a rave before. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it was like just lots of colors and lots of young kids and weird clothes and candy everywhere and <laughs> i'm sure drugs and the oakland metro opera house is a very weird and unique place to see concerts and to go it really does remind me of like your friend's basement yeah you know it <laughs> basement show <laughs> except you're paying to see it <laughs> True. Yeah, the two worlds were mixing and like the smoking section, I guess you could call it, which is just the outside. 
uh, between bands, uh, it's hot as fuck in the venue, right? So we weren't smoking, but we were like, it's hot in here. Let's walk outside, you know? Yeah. And then uh, the two rooms were separate rooms, but the outside, there was no divide between the metal show and the rave. And so the two crowds were intermingling. And it's yep. so interesting to see. You know, I was also a little tipsy. We went to, I think it was Beer Revolution down yes. the street. Yeah. And Delicious. I, had, I slammed two beers and then we, we went to the show and I was feeling pretty nice. And uh, <laughs> everyone in the crowd was so friendly. And I clearly remember talking to a few folks in the crowd and yep. this group of dudes arguing over which album was better. Do you like Focus or Trace and Air? And I was on the Focus side. And I think the majority of this group was on that side too. And this one guy was just dying on this hill of Trace and Air is better. <laughs> As much as I love Trace and Hair, I'm sorry. Focus is classic. I mean, you can't, I don't think that you can top it. Which one was the first one? Focus was okay. the first one. That was the first one that blew everybody's mind. Yeah, that was okay. the classic. And there's another time when there's this random guy, random metal dude, bro guy, is like, hey, man, cool show, right? I'm like, yeah, man. And he's like, <laughs> I don't see the drummer, but I can feel his groove. I'm like, yeah, the end. That was it. <laughs> Um, I don't know why those stick out in my head, but those were the conversations I had there. Before the band even came on, the opening band, that band had the old bass player of Tool. He played on Undertow. When you hear Sober, the opening bass line. I fucking love Sober. That guy. But this, the venue is so small. I was like, the bass headstock, that was like. On your face. A few inches away from my face. I'm like, <laughs> fuck, am I going to die? Is he going to swing it all crazy and hit me in the face? Yes. Uh, this is how small the venue is. And there's, I don't think there was security in there because. Uh, not near the stage. Uh, there's no barrier, too. I could easily, yeah. like, grab the guy's base. Well, you can easily go backstage, too, because that's where that yeah. urinal thing is. <laughs> that urinal lookalike thing. <laughs> the thing that you peed on. I hope on. it wasn't one of their road cases. <laughs> So when the the headlining band, Cynic, came on and Paul Masvidal, Sean Malone, and Sean Reinert were all on the stage at the same time, I was starstruck and I was also drunk. So <laughs> Drunk struck? I, I was so close that I yelled out Paul's name, not realizing how close he is. I'm like, Paul! And he turns and looks at me like, what the hell? What? <laughs> he doesn't say anything, but his eyes are like, who's talking to me? I was like, oh, fuck, he heard me. Because I'm so used to being like so far away. And you yell the band's name, you yell yeah. the, 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 the people's name. They don't even look at you because there's so many people there. But yeah. I was like, as close as we are now. <laughs> he thought something was wrong. Yeah, he's like, thought something was wrong. I was like, oh, sorry. I just wanted to hide. <laughs> I felt so embarrassed. I kind of snuck away from the front and started moving more towards the back to get a full view of the band. Usually the sound is better because we were on the side yeah, at we that were on point. The side. And it was super hot in there. So the further... Towards the backyard, the more breeze you have yeah. from the door. And That's I think right. there was a, was there a fan in this one? I don't think so. I don't know. This place was a dump. <laughs> in a good way. I say that with love. Yeah, we moved to the back of the venue. I got a full view of the band. It was way better than the first time. Uh, the sound was better. Sean Malone was there laying down them thick bass grooves. And I think he was sitting during the show, which I thought was interesting. I didn't really uh, think too hard on it during the show. I just noticed guy sitting. Okay, whatever. He's laying down the bass grooves. I don't care. The show ended and everyone was yelling for an encore. And then Paul Masvidal came out and said, uh, hey guys, Sean Malone is back there throwing up. So we're not going to be <laughs> doing an encore, but thank you for coming. And so that made a lot of sense Aww. why he was sitting. Yeah. So I guess he was feeling like shat, but yeah. he played the whole show. He, he he soldiered on and his playing was still great despite how bad he was feeling. He did it. That's um, a true performer right there. Yeah. He gave it his all despite feeling like shit. And that really speaks of his work ethic. Sean Malone was a very tasty 
bass player. Yeah, tell me what of his bass playing spoke to you. It's just like the way he plays, his tone, and the, the licks he chooses is mm-hmm. what appeals to me. It's similar to like Tony Levin or King Crimson. You don't know? The guy with the, the bald guy, <laughs> the mustache. Uh-huh. Elephant talk. Oh, yeah, I do like that Even song. like Walking on Air. Think of that song. Oh, right? I love that One of song. our songs played at our wedding and it's our first dance. Yeah, beautiful Sim- song. Simple bass line, right? But think about that bass line, how it's memorable. Yes. Yeah. That's how I think of Sean Malone, where he's not like a Billy Sheehan or um, Victor Wooten. He slaps who, the bass a lot. Who's awesome. They are flashy bass players. Even a guy like Flea. Who's, Who also slaps the bass a lot. <laughs> slap on the bass. You know what drives me nuts? Is when bass players slap the bass during sound check, but during the show, you know, <laughs> don't slap, slap it. at all. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's because slapping the bass is fun. It is fun, but like, you're sound checking. <laughs> And to do something that you're not going to play during the show is ridiculous. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. But it's fine. So Sean Malone was, as a bass player and as a personality, was more on the reserve side. but uh, So similar to you. Yeah. But the playing was tasty and uh, impactful. He died way too early, along with Sean Reinhardt, too. I didn't even talk about him too much, but his drumming is amazing, full of groove. And the two of those Sean's together, very tight drummer-bass player relationship. That's something that... That really speaks to me because when I'm playing either instrument, yeah. whether it be a drummer playing with me or a bass player, yeah. if I don't have that connection, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. And there's very few instances where like, yeah, this fucking feels right. And to have something like that is very valuable. And these two players have been very influential in the prog scene and the metal scene. And just for little dudes like me, it's helped shape like my musical path. So I just wanted to say a few words about Sean Malone and of course Sean Reinert and thank them for what they've done and the inspiration that they gave to me. Wherever afterlife there is, uh, I just know those two are jamming the fuck out of the place. <laughs> yeah, um, they will be missed, but they've left behind some great work. Yeah, their art will live on. Rest in peace, Sean Malone. Rest in peace, John Reinhardt. And go listen to Cynic. 